Welcome, guys. How you guys doing this morning? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, financial margin. It's a, um, it's a really awesome sermon I'm giving today. It's about how you can give money. Isn't it awesome? Isn't giving money to, to the church awesome? <laughs> no. Sometimes, right? Awesome sometimes. Um, when I think of tithing, I think of a Jericho, greasy, Southern Baptist preacher that's kind of like, you know, rousing the people to, 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 feed, to receive a blessing from the Lord. You know, come on, can I get one dollar? Can I get two? How about five? You know, and that's just not really the type of image that I want to portray today. So, you know, so. Um, this whole week we've been talking about just kind of what it looks like to make space for important things. And that margin is realizing that we have put extra space, right? We have allowed extra space for things that we don't really need that space for. So it's almost like trimming away the fat, you know, to, to make room for things that really are more important. So really, when it comes to financial margin, it's really the same idea. I, I think that when it comes to finances, a lot of people I know, it seems like we don't have enough when it comes to money. But then when it comes to placing margin over that, we start to see that we have more than we thought we did. You know? And that's what this sermon will be about today, is basically understanding that we have a lot more than we, than we realize. Um, but with margin, I want to go to something a little more nerdy. So Alyssa and I have been uh, watching a TV show called uh, The Flash. Anybody watch The Flash? <laughs> Thank you. One proud citizen. Yes. Thank you, Adrian. It's our, it's our bonding time. When I came home from school and she comes home from work, we just sit down and watch, like, The Flash. And that's our love time, you know? Well, there's this character in The Flash um, that is the product of two people that have fused together. And so in the show Flash, there, uh, there's a huge explosion in the, in the city. And that explosion has some weird chemicals. You know, every superhero has a weird chemical explosion beginning. Well, this explosion makes basically two men are just basically blown up, just to be frank. But as they're blown up, they end up merging together. And in that merging, they, they, they create something that's super powerful called Firestorm. And so I wish they had the picture. Yeah, so Firestorm. So here's the, the, the two men right here. And they're very different people. Like one guy is this super hunky, hot dude. That's the guy on the right with the gray hair, right? <laughs> what? And the one guy is like a scientist, like a super smart guy. And so like, they're not really, they're not very similar, but when they merge, they turn into this superhero that is the best of the both of them. And he has the power to basically just blow things up. It's pretty awesome. But they need each other for this to happen. And so after this accident, they can separate, but they're forever kind of like, 
they're, ever, they're forever kind of tied together. And even though they might be separated, they still feel and feel a connection to each other. And it's kind of weird, but it, it works out. I feel like when it comes to financial margin, it's not really about giving your money away. It's about a call to experience something that makes us a better person. It's about accepting an invitation that might be challenging and hard to, to embrace. But when you do, a better you comes out of that. You guys get me? And so in this show, this, this character, they literally argue. Like the, the smart scientist is like, you're making dumb mistakes. You eat too much pizza. And, and, and the, 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 the hot, hunky dude is like, whoa. He's like that. He's like, leave me alone. But they need each other. So there's a verse in Hebrews 12, 28 to 29. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is the devouring fire. So really, you know, we're like firestorm in a way. There's a being that's in us, and if we embrace that, we, we become a fire. We burn. Our walk, our talk, our countenance, that's a big word for our presence, sorry about that. It all emanates a passion. But it takes embracing what God wants us to do. It takes embracing things that are difficult. And it's not just about tithing. It's about just everyday decisions. But I think that um, for me, I was talking to Alyssa about this, and I said, you know, I, I hate when pastors do a tithing sermon because <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't like it. Shouldn't they just, like, just, just don't talk about that? It's, it, it's my... But when I think about tithing, I think it's one of the very, very few things that really hit us in the core of something that is um, really at the center of our struggle. And there's, there's very few things that hit that. And so it's almost like a, it's almost like a topic that is necessary. So margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. How can we trim the fat to be more of a better who we are? Proverbs 21.10, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So I think about this all the time, um, just kind of. Uh, uh, how much of what I'm spending is actually what I need. And so I think about this right here. I have a new iPhone. You like Steve Jobs, right? The iPhone 6. All right. So, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> if I have a new iPhone again next week. No. Um, and when I bought this iPhone, it felt really good. So we, we purchased the iPhone, and then I realized I had to get it activated. And so we went to the iPhone store, where everybody's cool, hip, and trendy in there. And I walked in, and I just said, I just bought a new iPhone. <laughs> and the guy that walked up, he was like, congratulations. How do you feel about that? Like, literally like that. I was like, it feels awesome. Great. How can I help you then? <laughs> and so I felt like I realized that when you buy stuff, it feels really good, right? 
Like, new stuff is awesome. And so, logically, the more new stuff you buy, the more awesome you feel, right? That just sounds logical. But it doesn't work that way. Because, like, with my iPhone now, I'm afraid of dropping it like I did just a minute ago almost. Like, I'm always, I'm always like, rubbing the screen for smudges, you know? I'm always, like, placing it down just perfectly on the table. I'm like, this kind of stinks, you know? I'm afraid of, like, this thing ruining me or, or it getting smudged or ruined. And I think that what happens is, is with this verse, when we spend and spend and spend, it really just kind of enslaves us to spending. Like, we never get enough spending. And when we buy stuff, we basically are dependent upon maintaining that thing. Unless you, unless you, you just don't, don't care about it. So, like, is there a, a way that we can use our money to where it's not a slavery and it's not the thing that uh, we use to make us happy? So, I think, though, in our culture, we believe the same thing in this verse. That our culture de- defines happiness as more rather than uh, what we have. And so when we look at stuff, we need to have more than what we currently need, and that makes us more excited about or more enjoyable uh, to live our daily life. But what God is kind of telling us is, is that that's not the case. So I mean, you guys own a, a, a truck. Go ahead. People like everybody in here, right? Like half the crowd. Not too bad, actually. Okay. Well, one thing I don't like about being in Houston is all the huge trucks that are around. I just, I'll just be honest. I think that in Texas, we say everything is bigger, but I think it's also like bigger and more. And when I think of that, I think of huge trucks and like J.J. Watt. So, um, and that basically, uh, that when I'm driving my little car on the road, there's these huge trucks that are flying by, and I'm like, why are you driving a huge truck in Houston? Like, trucks weren't made to be in Houston, I don't think. You know, they, they were made to be out in the country somewhere. Uh, right? Yeah, like, like, like hauling some hay or something. Not like trying to get into a little small spot downtown, you know? <laughs> why do we do that? I think we do that because trucks are big. <laughs> right? And it feels awesome being in a big truck. Like, you get to step up in it like this. Right? And you get to look at people that are down there, puny humans, right? And like, <laughs> look at those puny humans. Out of my way. I have to go to Whataburger. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's the mentality we have is more and bigger is better. Are you convinced now? Good. <laughs> All right. So when I, when I, um, was praying to get married, it was a tough decision how to pray about that because society tells us some things to pray about in a wife, but the Bible says other things. And so I was like, okay, I want to pray for godly wife. I want to be really hot too, but no, I want to be really patient and kind and look really good. I mean, but, you know, it was like a battle. You feel the battle? All right. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. This is what God wants us to think about when it comes to margin and valuing things. Yet, 
True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But, God, but, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the, from the true faith, pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, just a little, a little addendum there. All right. Money isn't evil, but the what of it is evil. The love of it is evil. It can be insert anything. It can be the, the love of cute puppies. Beyond the love of Jesus is evil. Sorry, my wife, she, sorry. she loves puppies. But in this case, it's money. Whatever you love more than the Lord is evil. But I think money is extra dangerous because money can give us an illusion of God, right? You can wake up every day and say, I can pray to God and trust him with my day, or I can just cash this check, right? I'm set. And that's my trust right there. But what this verse is saying is, is that that's the lie. Because sometimes the check will bounce. I'm, I'm living in a different time period. Or the credit card won't, won't go through. Checks. Or sometimes, you know, um, you might not be able to work your job that day. You might um, get, get sick. You might get fired. Right? You might end up to be unable to get the money that you have trusted in. And so what, what, what the writer here is saying is that we need to realize the truth, is that if we love money and make that the security for us, we're setting ourselves up for something that's going to give us a lot of sorrow, a lot of sorrow. When I was, um, when I was a missionary in Illinois before I met Alyssa, um, I was deciding, I was, I, was, I was struggling with, in the verse coming next, I was struggling with uh, the need to fundraise because I had to fundraise my whole income in order to be able to be a missionary. And it was really hard for me to realize that I had to fundraise over $35,000 to sit around and walk around a campus with kids all day and preach the gospel. Like, why? But I had to. Well, I was struggling with, do I work a job part-time or do I... Or, or do I just plunge into meeting people and praying and visiting people and visiting churches to raise money? So I applied to be a teacher in the local Illinois district. And when I applied, guess what happened? In the news the next week, it said that 75% of the teachers were fired. So imagine that. So imagine you're like a teacher... Like not, not just like a, you know, a 22-year-old, 23-year-old guy, a girl, but you're like a 55, 60-year-old teacher, just close to getting your retirement, right? You're cruising, right? You're on autopilot. You're like, just sit down, shut up, and do your homework, you know? I got six more years of this. And then you're told that you're fired, right? When I heard that, I heard God say, what are you asking them, dude? Because... They don't have a job right now. You see the deception? 
Like, there's no day that's given to us. Like, without any, any promise of anything bad happening. And that's the deception that the, that the enemy wants us to be in. And that's really the purpose of this whole sermon today. It's not about tithing. It's about where our heart is. And from that comes a response. So Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Classic verse, right? We know this verse. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So the question is, obviously, where is your treasure? Which kingdom? Which kingdom is your treasure in? Where is your heart at? Is it in the world where it's all about can you keep that check going? Can you keep that income going? Or is it in something beyond that? Because when it comes down to making choices, here's the point. You're going to choose that every time. Right? When it comes down to making a choice between where you want to go, what you want to do, where your heart is at is where you're going to choose to choose, where you're going to choose to rest, to rest yourself or invest yourself. All right, so I think that um, when it comes to this choice of creating financial margin and making the hard choice of where to invest our, our, our time, our, our resources, I think it's really a battle of two kingdoms. So here's a great deception here. And this is crazy when you get this. Because I'm, I'm all the time falling on my face on this, on this great deception. There's only two kingdoms, not three. So what's what I mean? In the story of Adam and Eve, we know the story, right? Adam and Eve hanging out. They're butt naked, running around, right? Loving each other. Eternal life with the Lord. What do they do? They eat the what? They eat the fruit, right? Are you guys awake? You guys good? They eat the fruit. Like, they, eat the, they eat the fruit, right? When Satan was talking to Adam and Eve, anybody remember what he said to, to Eve? What was his temptation? I don't have it here, so I need, I need you guys. What was his temptation? He said, like... There it is, right there. Thank you. This will make you like God. Translation, this will make you your own master, right? Translation, you got this. Who needs, who needs God? You can roll with this, right? That's the temptation that Satan has been telling us from the beginning. That whatever we have, whatever we do, it's so that you can run this. Not the Lord. Here's the thing. Who really was running it when they, when they ate the fruit? Was it, was it Adam and Eve or was it somebody else? It was the enemy, right? I mean, God was running it, but who also had lordship then? The enemy. 
right? There was sin, and there was destruction, and there was shame, and there was murder, and there was pain. Adam and Eve gave another being power. You see that? So really the lie is every time that we choose, every time that we choose something to preserve ourselves, it's a deception that the enemy is telling us. What it really means is, come on to me. Come to daddy. Come to the other guy. He does it all the time. Every time. When I'm at home with my wife and, you know, she, she needs, she doesn't say she needs help, but I feel a desire. She always does everything. She's perfect to me. I mean, you know. But she, I sense a need to help her with something around the house. You know, I say to myself, she's got it. I'm good. I'm the man of the house. You take care of that. That's not really me being my own, God, my own man. That's me following the enemy. That's me not loving my wife, right? That's me putting an, an, an anonymity between me and my wife. But Satan, every time, he will make us believe that when we choose to invest our, ourselves, our time, our energy, our life decisions and things to preserve ourselves, that we're really making our kingdom. But there's only two kingdoms. There's never three. And we either have to choose from what we do. Are we going to invest in the kingdom of God? Or are we going to invest in the kingdom of darkness? Nothing we do invests only in ourselves. So right now, let's say right now, let's say that. Nothing I do. Nothing I do. Invests only in myself. It's either the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of God. Every choice you make after that comes a lot clearer. Because you're like, I don't want to give Satan my money. I don't want to give Satan my time. Right? I want to give God my time. I give God my resources, myself that. How to create margin, we put God first. When you put God first, pretty awesome things happen. Like stuff happens that you did not think would happen. I bet about most of you here have a story of how God did something when you chose to pick him first, right? I mean, we all have a story. You can walk up here right now and share, share this sermon. And when, you know, I tried to do this, but then I did that. And God did something that I couldn't have done. And that's what God really is calling us to when it comes to financial margin. So when we put God first in, in, financial, in our financial decisions, he will show us that he can do things that we cannot do. So in that story with me in Illinois, when I realized that I can't rely on being a pub, public school teacher to get income so I could be a missionary, I first cried. And I said, then I said, what am I doing? And then I started to, to fundraise, and the, the income came. I was one of only two African Americans in that ministry at that time 
that had raised their full support. Amen, right? And I'll confess is I didn't work as hard as, as I should have. There are days when I was like, you know what? I should go and like go out and ask, ask people if they want to invest in my ministry. And I just watched football. And then I just, I just played poker with some friends. Oh, don't say that. The guy said, you know what? I'm going to bless you anyway because you need to know that I love you. And he did. Proverbs 8, 18 through 19. With me are riches and honor, enduring and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. So think about this. Um, I don't want to get awkward, but I will. So, <laughs> but I will. <laughs> but I'm going at it. Um, when Robin Williams died, it was tragic, right? I mean, he was a comedian that we all loved. Funny. When a funny guy dies and they go out the way that he did, ending his own life, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know? Now, we don't know the full circumstances of his life. We don't know the full reason as to what drove him to the state of despair that he was in, to where he wanted to end his life. We heard that he had some, 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 some gold diggers that were, that were worshiping money that wanted some income from past relationships, and it was just too much from the handle. But he still was more wealthy than probably everybody else in here, right? I mean, if someone's wealthier than him, let me know, and I'll talk to you at the church, and we'll hang out, and you can help, you know, give me some, some lunch, something like that. But in, in general, he's probably wealthier than anybody else in this room. But he still had something that he couldn't get. See what I'm saying? Like, the kingdom of darkness is real, guys. Like, he's been doing this for a long time. He's been, um, he's a master at this, actually. Like right now, I'm being deceived in an area of my life that I think that I know better than the Lord. He's good at this stuff. And every day, he takes people down. So we have to believe that in the Lord, you can be rich or poor, you can give, and you're still going to not be empty. That the Lord's going to give you way more than you could ever give him that the Lord's going to give you way more than you are ever going to give him. We are rich in Christ. God will take care of you. You just got to trust him. So right now, listen and I, we have some burdens. We have issues. We have things we're waiting on the Lord to provide. You know, we live in an apartment. We want to buy a house. We have two cars that are literally, um, we're praying that they last. <laughs> to say that much. We're like, just hold on, just hold on. Like six more months. <laughs> you know, we got needs. You know, and, you know, I have, I'll be real. I have a teaching degree 
And I was teaching before I decided to join, decided to go to seminary and be, and be a pastor. And I could just be a teacher again. You know? Teaching pays okay here <laughs> compared to other places. And my friends in Tennessee, told, when I told them what I had made a teacher here, they're like, you make that much here? Man. Like, here is... Teaching here makes at least 15 to 20 grand more than it does in most places. And the Mason-Dixon line around Tennessee and Georgia and Alabama, where I'm from. I mean, it's like we're rich here, teachers are. But I decided to trust the Lord and, 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 and hear that call and leave my $46,000 a year and not make anything. Because, because I believe that the Lord had riches that I, couldn't, that I couldn't really pay for. I couldn't buy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And he did. I would not trade that choice to leave most of you guys I've met at Oikos Church. <laughs> I wouldn't trade it. There are weeks when I come, when I have had a bad week, and I, and I meet with Aaron and Jason during our pastor meetings. And they challenge me. And I say, you know what? I needed that. That was better than anything else. And then I come to church on Sunday, and I'm tired. I know we got to set up White Coast Church. I know we got to help people out and get things going. Jason's already here an hour before I was here, getting the band ready. And then after the church, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that I came to church today. I feel filled today, better than uh, 46 grand. With me are riches and, and honor and doing wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. We have to believe that. If you believe that God is greater than the decision, than the pain to sacrifice, then you will experience a better you because the Lord, his power, and the Holy Spirit will move you places where you thought you never could go. And the slavery of worrying about is, can I work, can I do it? That won't rule you. Because we're not going to live there, we're not going to work forever, right? We're not going to be able to provide forever. It's just not going to happen. There is a God that will provide for us if we let him. And if we don't. And if we don't. So here's a bargaining chip that God shows us. So, so that when we struggle with things, God gives us this, this bargaining chip. So that we see that um, we can't outgive him. Romans 8, 32. So who did G, who, who, I messed up, I gave the answer. Who did God give us? <laughs> Dang it. Who did God give us that is more of a ransom than we could ever pay him back? Jesus Christ. That's right. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Won't he? 
Yeah. So think about this. Man. Pastors talk about tithing today. I don't know. Like, checks been kind of tight. I mean, man. About that new flat screen TV is getting me, right? It's getting me, though. And I got a tithe. God said, you know, he gave something much more of a ransom, much more expensive than we can give him back. He gave himself. And so God already tithed to us, right, in a way. He, 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 he tithed to us. He gave his tithe. It was his very life. But God's like, no matter what you can give me back, I got, I already outdid you. And so the, the only thing, the, no matter what you give me, I'm going to take care of you. You guys believe that? Amen. Here's the cool part with that. I, we know that God really loves Jesus, right? All of his, all of his love was satisfied in him, right? Those verses, all of his pleasure was placed in him, right? All those crazy verses. It's true, though. He looks at Jesus with other delight. Yet he gave him up for us, right? So what that means is he will give us a lot more we can give ourselves. So test this out. You see how tithing then becomes unnecessary? You see that now? Like, there's not really a better way to explain this. That's why it has to be this. It's not about asking for money. It's about just asking for you to trust the Lord. That's all it is. And so the thing that you worry about the most, it might not even be tithe. It might just be um, your time. Just give me time away. Give him some of that. Give him some of that to sh so he can show you that you will basically forget that you even gave him anything. Say, like, well, I gave him more of my time. I gave him a tithe. And he did things in the last month or week or, or year that makes me feel like I didn't give him anything. He will do that for us. I wouldn't even be here if he didn't do that. He will do that for us. So the question is, what is the thing that you can do to show, to show that you trust that God will provide for you? So I have an invitation for you, an invitation. If you ever have a desire to serve, maybe you're not down with the giving a tithe thing. But there are opportunities to come here in the morning and help us prepare oikos. It's a time tithe. Get up a little bit earlier. You can come here at 9 o'clock and hang out with us. Chill with us. Like, Rogers would be here. Tech team would be here. Alyssa and I. Kyle would be here. Terry and Chuck would be here. The Vanderwaters. Hang out with us, and you will be blessed. Because honestly, dude, when I come here, spend time with people that are here preparing things, it's a blessing. What can you do 
to show that there's a that there's a better you when trusting God with the things that the, that the enemy is trying to seduce you to, to give to him instead. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we believe that there are only two masters. There is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And we believe that we were not created to to be lords of ourselves. I know, Lord, that if I was my own Lord, I would be a mess. And you're trying to make me realize that, to surrender myself to you. Lord, help me, help us show you what it means to have our life, our time, our finances be surrendered to the kingdom of God and not to the kingdom of of the enemy. Because we know that you gave something so much to us that we, every day, we try to embrace the fact that you gave us your son. And that nothing, the peace of knowing Jesus Christ far surpasses anything else that we could ever purchase for ourselves. Free us, Lord, from that burden of trying to be our own Lord. Free us, Lord, from that burden of trying to be our own masters so that we can live in the freedom and the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest gift that we can ever have and it's given to us free. We praise you, Lord, for this family, for this church, for your purpose and your plan. Guide us to how we can show our faith to you. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.